This is the Naked Encore. Make sure you subscribe, comment, and like. For more information about us and all of our podcasts, go to historicmedia.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Naked Encore. I'm Vicki Ziegler. And I am Brian Krause. What's up, Vicki? How are you? Where are you today? Where do you think I am? The Hamptons. Exactly. I'm just a sun chaser. It's a beautiful day here today. And I'm taking the time out today to record this podcast that I wish I recorded a decade ago. (laughs) Let me tell you something. You know, it's funny as a divorce attorney, you know, and somebody that's been divorced, you've been divorced. We experience so many different people talking about relationships. And the first thing generally when a relationship, you know, falls flat on its face and knows that it's, you know, it's waning is sex, intimacy, right? You always hear about these situations where people are like, wow, we were in lust, we were in love, we got married. And then it was like, nothing. And it's always fascinating, right? To see people go from love, then turns to hate. And what happens during that kind of intimacy, sexual high to nothing. And we love experts that come on this program because we're certainly not experts, right? We're we're divorce attorneys, we're attorneys, we're entrepreneurs, but we know people that have been studying the field have written books that know about this subject matter can lend some guidance to our listeners because this is a hot topic. So I know you have a lot to say and a lot of questions to ask. So I think it's important we get our guest on because we've been talking for weeks and weeks and weeks without our guests. So I'm excited to finally have a guest back on to kind of lay down the law on sex compatibility and how to help people kind of get back in the groove if if they've lost it. So today we are honored, honored, I say, Vicky, to have on Cindy Darnell. Okay. Cindy is a sex and relationship therapist. Okay. Somebody I wish I met a decade ago when I was going through my divorce. Okay. She is also a best selling author with a book out now called Sex When You Don't Feel Like It. Vicki, have you ever had sex when you didn't feel like having it? Oh my God. Who hasn't? I think you're the biggest liar in America if you said, Oh, I want to have sex every time, even if you're a nymph. How about yourself? So, so in other words, you're faking orgasms nine out of 10 times. That wasn't the question, counselor. The question was, did I ever have sex when I didn't want to? I said the answer is yes. And have you ever had sex from a male perspective when you didn't want to? This is not about me. It's about Cindy today. I, wait, Brian, I know you have, because I know you think you like sex in the morning versus the evening or one of the those answer is the, 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 the answer is yes. And I'd like to introduce Cindy (laughs) and and, and make her part of this conversation because I think she's going to be, uh, listen, I I feel like I'm the, I'm not only am I the co-host, but I feel like the client today because (laughs) God knows I need help. Okay. (laughs) So yes, I, the answer to your question is yes. And let's welcome and introduce Cindy Dornell. Hi, Cindy. Hello there. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. And I apologize in advance for any position that Vicky might try to put me into. Okay. And she's, she's, she's challenging you basically because I'm a case study and I can use your help. Hold on. Compromise position for sure. Um, yeah, Cindy, this is great to have you on. So 
you know, we're going to talk about your book. We're going to get into kind of what makes you an expert. But why did you get into this field to begin with? Because I was always staggered at the the lengths people will go to to avoid discussing why sex is meaningful to them. They will do everything in their power to avoid discussing the stuff that really matters and instead fill up their lives with a lot of bullshit and then wonder why they feel empty. And how were you raised? That's that's why I got into this work. But were you raised with parents or a parent that was explaining intimacy and sex to you and guiding you or were you exposed to nothing growing up? No. Uh, I mean, so I grew up in Australia, so I didn't have the ex- sort of the extreme religious stuff that goes on in the US. Um, I mean, there are religious people in Australia, but it's not nearly as sort of, you know, extreme as it is here. Um, we have religious cults, but they're definitely very small and there's not a lot of them. Um, so most of the people that I went to school with were pretty secular agnostic atheist kind of books um so religion wasn't a big part of my influence uh sex education was something that we had at school uh it wasn't fabulous you know but it was there the one of the big differences i think between australia and the u.s is the notion of purity culture so strong here and in other countries australia in particular it's not nearly as powerful so it tends to not derail conversations about sex as much. That said, there are still other things that that stop people from talking about sex. But in terms of my background and my upbringing, the religious part was was not part of the story, which I think in some ways puts me in a unique position talking to Americans about sex because I just, I don't have that perspective. I have a very different perspective. And I think a lot of Americans find that refreshing because it's it's not the same sort of black and white puritanical stuff that a lot of Americans have been exposed to through no fault of their own, just the, the way that the culture is sort of rolled around. So as a psychotherapist by training. So I'm not a psychotherapist anymore, but I was, originally I was a psychotherapist and then I moved into sexology. So at, at, at what point do you, you decide to make the move into sexology just because and what is sexology hold on a minute I, I just love the term what is that it's the scientific study of sex basically so in the same way that psychology is the study of of the psyche sexology is the is the clinical study of sex so we look at sex through a biological lens at, at a very basic level but m- more so we look at sex through a cultural lens through a political lens, through a social lens, through relational lenses, you know. So there's lots and lots of ways of looking at it, not just medicine, performance, orgasm. Everything Brian cares about, right? Well, somehow I missed all of these classes. I didn't see that. <laughs> I didn't see them offered at my university. So do you mind me asking, uh, personally married or uh divorce not i mean i've never been married i've never wanted to be married i have been actively non-monogamous for about 25 years i can't imagine doing it any other way see i applaud that because that is really understanding yourself first you know i've i've always said you really really have to know who you are before you can share your life with somebody else and be a good partner 
And that's, I mean, part of that, I mean, that's where, you know, I wrote my book with really with that sort of lens in mind, not telling people what to do or how to think, because that's, I can't possibly tell people what to do or how to think, but I can help scaffold the self-inquiry for you so you can have a better relationship with yourself, which is going to make it easier for you to show up in your relationships, you know, mentally, emotionally, sexually, however you want to level up. You have to do that work first. Your partner is never going to be able to do that for you if you can't do it for yourself. And so that's why this book, I think, is really striking a chord with people because it's not just five steps to amazing sex. It is, this is the process you need to go through if you actually want to have a sex life that is meaningful. But if you just want to keep doing what you've always done and then feel empty at the end of it, go right ahead. But I can tell you that there's not going to be an ointment or pills or a series of positions that are going to make you feel fulfilled from sex if your heart is not in it. Well, it seems like uh, there are some pills that can help, certainly. Well, there are pills that can give you erections, but if you don't like your partner, there is not a pill that's going to change that. You're just going to dislike your partner and have a hard on. Yeah, exactly. And keep your eyes closed and pretend there's somebody else, perhaps. (laughs) Right. And I mean, you can do that if you want to, but that's an expensive way to go through your life. You might as well just jerk off, I think. You know, what's the point? Yeah, no, I I get it. And I, I think you brought up really a topic in itself for a podcast is the idea of being honest with yourself and getting to know who you are. I mean, I think I'll I'll tell you, I've certainly struggled with that as far as there is the, you know, looking in at myself, looking in at Brian, who I've always been that guy that, you know, that about town type of guy who looks, you know, like he's, you know, I, I hate to use the word the player, but, you know, I've had a great time. Um, I was married for a long time, um, for the most part, was very monogamous throughout the entire marriage until I wasn't. And then I just went on a tear. And that whole tear, I, I, I feel, is something that I felt it wasn't who I was. It wasn't who I was on the inside. I, I questioned myself so many times. I was like, what am I doing? This is not who I am. I don't feel good. And to be honest, even when I when it, when it got to sex... I always felt like I was like a woman because unless I had that connection, right? Unless I had that, that connection or that feeling of intimacy, sex wasn't good. I wasn't into it. Right. Yeah. And I mean, that's not a woman thing. That's a human thing. Dudes have been tricked into thinking that sex without feelings is preferable, but that's why so many men struggle with sex is because they've been, they've been, you know, fed all these lies. They've drunk the Kool-Aid. And the price that they pay is that their sex lives are empty and meaningless. And what a, what a disaster, what an empty, hollow way to go through life. And I feel sorry for dudes like that. A lot of the clients I work with are those kinds of guys who come to me and say, I can't do this anymore. Yeah, like I feel like there's a definition. I feel like, number one, how does everyone define sex, right? Are you just looking to ple- be pleasured, pleasure yourself? pleasure someone else and have no connection? Or are you one of those people that are not afraid to get hurt, right? And and let down the wall. I feel like if you can't even figure out who you are as it relates to your heart, because I feel like the player, you, you, there's no connection. That's the easy way It's not out. about that, Vicky. Right. Though. I mean, but you can, st- you can still have a hookup. 
like, this is not about lifetime monogamy. I'm talking about, you know, you can have a series of one night stands. You can have a different lover every night of the week. You can have five different lovers every night of the week, but that is not necessarily going to, to bring. Yeah. You're, you're not going to get the, the fix that you're looking for. And it's not because you need to settle down. Like I've never been married. You know, I don't think that that is the cure all. But what I do think the cure all is, is your relationship with yourself and what you bring of yourself, whether you're with somebody for five minutes or five years, it's the same quality. And that is what a lot of people struggle with. Yeah. Is that one of the things in the book that you talk about getting to know yourself? The entire book is only about getting to know yourself. I'm not interested in platitudes of, you know, 20 different positions to make them come. There's a, those books have already been written and those books are sitting on people's bookshelves collecting dust because, you know, they're all right for five minutes, but they don't do anything. You know, they don't help anything. But if you have any insight, like I just did, I told feel you that free they to don't share work. any of that insight. If you do have any special, <laughs> his girlfriend's asking <laughs> because that's the wrong question to ask. The questions to ask are: Why are you there? What do you want to get out of the experience? How do you want sex to make you feel? Because a lot of people they want to feel euphoric, they want to feel excited, they want to feel free, they want to feel like they're lifted up out of the mundane torture of their daily lives. But they don't talk about that in the hookup. They're just like, hey, do you want to fuck? And that's fine. But if you're approaching sex with the expectation of being lifted out of the torture of your daily life, but instead you're actually saying, do you want to fuck? And then you have the sex and it's mediocre and you're left wondering, well, what went wrong? It's because you were not, you were not present to yourself. You were not honest with yourself about what your motivation was. If you want to be lifted up, out of the doldrums, if you want to be able to experience something other than, you know, business as usual, you have to be willing to show up at that level. But if you're just going to act like it's business as usual, guess what? You're going to have very business as usual. Set. Where were you when I needed you? That's all I'm saying. Because probably in Australia. <laughs> but now I'm in made, New York. I would have made I would have made the trip. <laughs> well, I work online now and I work all over the world. So, you know doesn't matter where I am. It took me a long time to figure that out. And I, I think it's as much image and perception and how you want to be perceived as to who you really are. And I think social media is a killer for this and is a huge problem. Um, if, you, if you look at all of these, if you, if you look at film and you look at music, you know, you look at the artist, well, they put a certain persona out, right? The rock star persona, for example, you know, go out and party and drink and girls, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Well, I'd be willing to bet. I know a lot of these guys. That's not who these guys are, right? They're yeah, living- no, I know that too, because a lot of those guys are my clients and I know what the stories are in their hearts. It's okay. They feel safe enough to tell them to me because they know I'm not going to, you know, go and repeat it and, you know, drag their name around town. But the terrible thing is that even with the power and the, and the privilege and all of the stuff that they have, that they still feel so isolated that they cannot even bring themselves to admit it to their nearest and dearest that they have to pay a stranger because the, the world we have grown up in says that men don't do sex like that. They're not real men if that's how they feel. And I am here to say categorically that is complete horse shit. 
men are as emotional as women. If not, I would actually say in many cases, they're more emotional than women, but they have never been taught how to manage their feelings. So they end up, you know, acting poorly at times, hurting themselves, hurting their partners, feeling lonely. They don't know how to fix it. And then they end up coming and talking to me. Yeah, I, I got to know Michael Hutchins. I, I, w- I wouldn't say well, but I, I, I've got, I had the opportunity to spend some time with him and get to know him. And I love the guy. I, I, I really did. He, he was a sweetheart. Uh, he was intelligent. He was articulate. And then I would see, you know, him out there as Michael the rock star. Right. And then obviously everything we've all read about and ultimately, which led to his demise. Um, but he struggled in his relationships, you know, and, um, was just so, and I've used this word like three times already, was so conflicted in his life as to who he really is, right? And I think so many of the uh, uh, of these artists, um, not just, you know, from being the, you know, the, the, the great Lothario, right? But also so many of these um, entertainers that are um, gay, right? That have a whole nother perception, right? That, that, that are, that are living a lie just to, because they're playing, you know, the, these heartthrobs, you know, whether it's, whether it's romantic comedies or whether they're playing action heroes, you know, it's, 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 it's just not who they are. And they, they take it off screen and they're living that on screen life off screen. It's not living authentically, right? I mean, I think that's kind of what it boils down to in a lot of ways. I also think people don't know. They haven't been taught. And I see a lot of women going through so many challenges. They're insecure. They're trying to keep a marriage together or a relationship. So they're projecting the pleasure and making sure that their partner is okay instead of forgetting about themselves. They're lost in the sea. Right. And I think that's part of what your book is, is trying to promote that if you're not in love with yourself and don't under, and you're not in tune with yourself, you can never be in a healthy sexual relationship. Right. And I think, I mean, I, I wouldn't even go so far as to say it's about being in love with yourself. I think for some people that is a stretch and I think they will, that even having to feel like you have to love yourself. Oh, like, could, okay. Like yourself. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. And no, I, 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 I'm not meaning to trip you up here. It's just I, for folks listening, because I know that sometimes people can be like, Oh my God, I don't love myself. That means I'm never going to have great sex. And this is, you know, just another burden. And I wanted to just offer you know, um, an addendum to that to say, it's okay if you don't love yourself, you can still have awesome sex. And part of the inquiry is, is about, you know, why does this matter? Because it's also okay if you say, you know what? Sex doesn't really matter to me that much. I'm, I really could take it or leave it. And if you are one of those people, I would say to you, great, provided you have done the self inquiry that goes with it. So you have come to the conclusion that, yep, I've looked at everything upside down, inside out, all the ways, and I have come to the decision that sex is not something I am willing to invest energy in. It doesn't matter to me. I get a lot more contentment from, you know, bird watching and whatever else I do. And then I would say, awesome. That's fantastic because you've done the work to, to get to that place. But it's when people say, oh, you know, I don't care 
but they haven't done any work. And that's just a, a, like a buffer or a protection to say, you know, I don't want to do this work. It's too hard. It's not my job. Or, you know, that whole myth about sex is natural. It should be easy when you're with the right person. It should just be fabulous. That's also horse shit. It's not easy. It's not natural. You do have to work at this. And because most of us did not get decent sex education, and by decent, I don't mean where do babies come from. I mean, the stuff that the three of us are talking about right now, this kind of stuff. Imagine if kids in high school had these kinds of conversations. Imagine how differently their adult lives would roll out. Well, I think we, we as adults and anyone that has a child, I think have a duty to change the narrative and teach our children things that we weren't taught or weren't comfortable with. So, you know what, forget the schools at this point. I think it's our duties as aunts, right, uncles, whoever it may be. And that's the thing. I actually don't even think that school is the right place for sex education. I think sex education, I mean, the way that it rolls out now is, you know, through through music, through film, through uh, art, through porn, through Disney through there's lots and lots of places people get their sex and relationships information is it accurate no is it entertainment absolutely but because most of us don't have the wherewithal to do the critical thinking around it and go well you know if i'm whether i'm getting my information from Pornhub or disney it's still you know fantasy so What's the reality then? Where would I go to get that kind of information? And the good news is that a lot of this stuff is on the internet these days. It's free or it's certainly very cheap. So when people say, you know, oh, it's hard to get the information, I'm like, "Mm, it's actually not, but you just have to put in the effort. I think a lot of the reason that people avoid putting in the effort is because they don't want to do the labor. They don't want to feel uncomfortable. And sex makes people feel uncomfortable. And, and fearful. Yeah, you know, but they'll still go and have loads of sex, but they're doing it and they're feeling uncomfortable. And then they're like, why, you know, why is it not working out for me? Why am I not having orgasms? Why is my dick not working? Why can't I come? Why am I coming too fast? You know, why, 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 why? And it's like, well, because you're not asking yourself the right questions. And I feel like I just say that on repeat in my career, you know, this is like my around, around, around. And then people are like, you know, but you know, what positions can I do to make her squirt? And I'm like, that's not the question you should be asking, you know. Well, that was, Brian was about to ask you that question, so I'm glad you just said that's not the right one. <laughs> no, I, 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 I wasn't. Well, no, but what, But the question I would ask you, and, I, and, and it actually, it's funny because I heard it this morning. I was listening to a rerun of the Howard Stern show. And, you know, that's another... Uh, let's just call it entertainment, but it's a very heavy, or, or at least over the years has been a very uh, heavy sex driven show. But they had on a doctor that was saying that the squirting is actually urine and it's not. And this doctor is, you know, it was, it was a 20 minutes on squirting actually being urine. Was he a male doctor? He was a male doctor. Talking to a male host about female anatomy talking to uh not talking to ronnie the limo driver and um <laughs> look i rest my case i mean this is what i mean this is what i mean about bad sex education right i rest my case your honor <laughs> <laughs> but can, can you chime in on that do we know actually what the actual squirt is is yes. it urine 
No, it's not. It Some of it is, some of it comes from the bladder, but in the same way that male ejaculate comes out of the urethra and has elements of urine in it too. So, you know, it, what, what squirt fluid has in higher quantities uh, than pee is glucose. We don't know why there are higher quantities of glucose in it. It is still, we're unsure exactly where the fluid comes from. It does appear to come from to come from the bladder, bladder rather, um, but the consistency of it, because they have measured it and sort of analyzed it and have found that the consistency is different to pee. And if you are somebody who has been with somebody who has squirted and you've had the honor of smelling it, tasting it, whatevering it, you will also notice that it doesn't stain the sheets the way that pee does. It's clear as opposed to yellow. It has a different smell. And if you do get it in your mouth, you'll notice it's sweeter. I Listen, I will tell you. So whatever Lenny the lorry driver no, or whoever the fuck he was, <laughs> he's wrong. You've been fooled. Thank you very much. <laughs> so sad. <No>. Okay. <laughs> All right. So to our listeners out there, I'm going to refrain from asking Vicky the question, but we all know what I was about to ask her and she's refusing to answer. Thank you. This is about our expert. I have lipstick on. I have red lipstick on. And she is bright red as we speak. But I will, but let let, let me just say, Cindy, though, in, in my, you know, in my years and years of dating different women, the squirting phenomenon i've only seen it once and it was a freak show it can be and did you know brian here we go i'm now i'm going to school you did you know that it's not an orgasm i you know in this my situation i didn't know that and my situation in order for this unicorn to squirt she had to take matter into matters into her own hands (laughs) yeah really wow (laughs) again most most women have to because because the sex that generally happens between men and women is very much geared towards the pleasure of men. Not always, but often. So if women want to get off, there has to be a whole other level of, of connection, which again, like from a statistical point of view is why the majority of women in hookups don't have orgasms. But also a lot of women don't have hookups to have orgasms. They, have hookups for some of these more esoteric reasons that we talked about earlier. Um, but a lot of dudes go into hookups thinking that the women are there for orgasms and actually they're not. But then because nobody talks about this and everybody's just posturing around pretending, um, no one's actually having a genuine conversation about why they're there, you know, which is ridiculous when you think about it in the context of everything else we do in life. If you're going into a restaurant and the server comes over to you and says, Oh, what color is your bathroom? And you're like, what? I'm here for food, you know, but you're not talking about food. You're talking about the color of your bathroom. In any other context, it would be utterly ludicrous. But we get together sexually and we talk about everything except how we want to feel. Why? It's insane. It's ludicrous. It really, it really is. (laughs) It really is. (laughs) So in sex, when you don't feel like having it, which I, you know, I'm, I'm sure we've all experienced it. I'm sure it's incredibly common. Do you feel that that opens the doors to drugs and alcohol to get through that? Yeah. A lot of people will resort to that because it, it's a, an easier way for them to endure 
the disappointment of very mediocre sex. As numbing themselves, numbing kind of the pain, numbing. Numbing themselves physically, but also numbing themselves, you know, emotionally, energetically, psychically, you know, it's... um, It's a slippery slope. Yeah, because what they're off, you know, they're looking for connection in the moment, but instead of being able to ask for that or or offer it or create it or whatever, um, the substances take the pain away, which is what they're fabulous at that. But, you know, long term... That doesn't work. Yeah, long term, but you know, certainly whether it's drugs, um, there are certain drugs. Take take Molly for example. Just you know, there is a um, uh, just by taking the um, the Molly, um, it almost is is taking you down that path to okay, I'm going to take Molly, you know, with my partner, and we're going to have some great sex. And I think it's a mind fuck because I think you could give those people a placebo and just the fact that you know they're taking this and they're kind of selling themselves on this is what's going to happen um you know good or bad you know that that's that's what's going down and that's the um the agenda i i i I guess you know whether they want to have sex or not they're kind of I, I don't know. I, again, I think it's a drug-driven evening is what's happening. Right. But what Molly does, and it does very well, is it disinhibits people. So all of the posturing and all of the things that get in the way of humans having a meaningful connection are bypassed when something like Molly comes into it because, you know, the, the whole point of that drug is that it bypasses inhibition. And it helps people feel connected and feel loving. And, you know, you've met somebody 10 minutes ago, but you're just like, oh my God, you feel amazing. You, you know, I'm looking into your eyes and, you know, and that's wonderful. And that's actually helping folks get closer to the reality of how most of us want to feel. From so sex. is your book doing that without the Molly? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think, you know, if you want to use Molly too, that's fine, but don't, think that that's the only way to achieve it. I'm certainly not anti-drugs. I think if you want to do all the things, do it, you know, but know that that's not the only way to get high. You can, you can get high without, without anything. It was just water and good intentions. <laughs> Amen. I believe in that. <laughs> exactly. Although I will tell you, Cindy, and I, I've shared this experience on this show before that I uh, I went through this kind of an ayahuasca experience without ayahuasca. They mirrored the ayahuasca with mushrooms. And it was I was in this beautiful room with a shaman and four couples. Um, some of the couples were going through problems and did this as a shared experience to help bring them together. I was in a relationship at the time that um, was good probably on its tail end of, of, of the relationship. And it was such an eye-opening experience for me because it was the first time I was able to get in touch with myself. You know, you know, it was intimacy with myself, really. And it, it really broke me down to tears, okay? And I was able to, the first thing it did for me was I was able to forgive my ex-wife and myself 
for all the transgressions and all the, the, the negative nasty shit we did to one another. And then I really just questioned my, it opened me up and, and I questioned myself. And I was like, what am I doing? Okay. Why do I feel the need to kind of, you know, why can't I be in a, in a relationship and, and honor that relationship and just be a good guy? Right. I'm stop, stop being the asshole. Right. Stop being that guy that everyone, you know, thinks you are and perceives you to be the cool guy when that's not who I am. And it was that moment that, and again, I don't know whether I'm getting intimate with myself or what you would call it, but it, w- it was really the awakening to who I really am and stop faking. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's the thing. I mean, when you start to see yourself as you are, when you can start to not only see yourself, but accept yourself, that's the crucial part is to go, actually, this is really how I feel. Can I accept that in myself, even if I don't like it, or even if it makes me feel a bit vulnerable, or even if I wish it were different, right? The sooner we can get to a place of going, well, this is my truth. And if I'm going to show up with my heart open, you know, and my pants down or on, or however you want to have your pants, but your heart needs to be open. And that doesn't mean open, um, you know, to... A 20 year marriage, but I just mean open, like you're being open right now. Like we're not about to get married. We've got no, you know, agenda around that, but you're being really real. That is what I mean by an open heart. And you're doing that. And, and unless you're high right now, you're doing that completely of your own accord. And it takes practice and it takes guts and it takes willingness and it takes, you know, the, the, the dexterity to be able to stretch yourself a little bit because ultimately you know it's going to be good for you. It's going to be good for the person you're connecting with and it's going to get you closer to where you want to be, which is not in pain. I'm stoned as fuck right now. (laughs) (laughs) You are not, you liar. Come on, you you know me better than that. You're stumbling a little. I don't know about you are. You are taking a bit. No, I'm kidding. And you know what I love about Brian? You know, Cindy, he is so honest and so real. And I think that that cathartic venture that he adventure that he went on really helped him to kind of, you know, love yourself no matter what. It's not how people perceive you. And I feel like we're all kind of, you know, you grow up maybe as a victim, sometimes a martyr in your own experience, your own family dynamic. And we have to, you know, look in the mirror and say, look, nobody's perfect, but our imperfections are our greatest assets, right? And not that the flaw, you know, not to highlight the flaws. And I think that takes time, maturity, wisdom, courage, bravery. And I think to get to a point when you, if you want to be in a relationship, you want to be, you know, you want to be monogamous, but you don't want, you want to date a million people, whatever it is, I think feeling comfortable in your own skin is what you're really telling our listeners and telling us. Because I feel like most people aren't in their 20s, in their 30s. And if you are, God bless, you're lucky as hell. But most of us have had difficult experiences that have, you know, impacted our self-esteem and our ability to act one way in our personal life and at home and then act a different way when we're out and we're in relationships and not to be raw and open. So I feel like your your book, your calling, your work is so necessary for everybody, right? It's not just men, it's not just women. And to have that conversation about, you know, um, women just as men 
need to have pleasure and need to have joy. And, and what are we looking for in life? It's happiness and what makes you happy. So I, I think this, this whole dynamic about teaching people in a different manner is, is enlightening and it's refreshing. So talk to our listeners a little bit about some of the key elements in your book that they can take away so they can whet their appetite so we can make sure that we all read your book in full. So I guess, I mean, the key elements are that the answers you seek are you already have. My job and the role of the book is to help bring them out. So it's sort of like, you know, five years of sex therapy in one book. and. It is through a series of, you know, practices, self-inquiry, the willingness to like, you know, as Brian was talking about when he's in that play, the room with the shaman and that sort of those aha moments. If you are willing to go there, the questions that the book poses to you and the, and the, the stories of other people's lives that it offers you, help you start to put together what I call in the book, your erotic template. So the whole book is a guide on how to understand your erotic template. So by the time you've got to the end of the book, if somebody says to you, what are you into? You actually know, and you're able to say, this is actually the kind of sex that I'm interested in. This is the kind of connection that I'm interested in. Are you down? Are you open to compromise? Let's have a chat about it because I think this matters. Communication and honesty with yourself and then your partner in that order, I would say. So let me ask you something else. When you're in a relationship and there are mixed libidos in that relationship, any advice on how to navigate through that? I mean, that's a problem. It can be for sure. Yep, it absolutely can be. And again, yeah, it comes back down to the essence of your why. Why are you there? Why do you want to have sex? Why do you want this to be different if you do? Because when you're approaching sex from a me versus you mindset, you're never going to get anywhere. It becomes a competition. And unless, you know, you're into like, you know, professional competitive sex, bringing the spirit of competition into the bedroom is probably not going to be helpful. So. The first part of it is to get out of the competitive mindset and get into the we mindset. It has to be a team project. And right through the book, I talk about mismatched libido as a quest to be seized, not a problem to be solved because it is not like a one and done thing where it's like, hey, but we're on the same page now. That's it. We're done. We're good to go. It is an ongoing practice. It's always sex is always a quest. The reason why sex is always a quest it's because sex is the ultimate creative energy and creativity is always about the next project, the next thing, where are we going to do next? How do you want to feel? What do you want to do? What do you want to experience? It's always coming from this place of creativity. It's not like, you know, a bank account where you don't want a lot of fluctuation. You want it to be, you know, only going in one very steady direction and you want a lot of control over it. You don't want things to be a bit more kind of come as you are in Cavalier. With sex, you do want to have a little bit of that. But the only way you can get that is if you feel safe in the connection between the two of you. This is particularly true in, you know, long-term relationships. So you have to be able to approach it with a we mindset and also coming from this understanding that this is a quest, we're a team, we're working on this together. 
that it's not about me getting my needs met and you getting your needs met and me, 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 and you, you, you. And that's, you know, that's game over at that point. Unless, like I said, you enjoy bringing the spirit of competition into your sex life, which if that is an aphrodisiac for you, then great, all power to you. In the book, I teach you how to identify what your turn-ons are. And if if you do get turned on by competition, that's fine. But then you need to be able to say that and not drag your partner into some bullshit when you can't even admit to yourself, actually, I get off on competitive sex, that you can say that from the outset, this is actually something that really turns me on. You don't need to analyze it necessarily. You don't need to say, you know, oh, is it because of my childhood? Some people like broccoli, some people like beef. It doesn't really matter why. That What matters is that we can actually say, this is what I like. But if you don't know that competition is your turn on and you just start acting like a jerk and your partner is kind of like, why are you being a jerk? And you're like, I'm not being a jerk. When you can actually make peace with the fact that your turn on is something that is perhaps a little outside square or, um, you know, perhaps your partner feels challenged by something that turns you on. Again, this is part of the quest. It has to be about this we mindset. Where are the opportunities for connection in there? Because there will be some, maybe not on every point, but there will be some. Where are there opportunities for growth? And at some level, maybe. You do need to consider opening up a little bit, maybe a hall pass here and there for certain activities. If, if there are certain things that just cannot be met in the primary relationship, maybe come to some compromises around the outside. But again, it's about having respect for the relationship. It's about having respect for sex, deciding that it matters enough to talk about it and recognizing that there are literally hundreds of reasons people have sex and it's okay if your reasons are different. That's normal. I love that. First of all, I, yeah, right. I, the way Cindy just uh, explained it, I think most people do. They, they treat sex like a bank account. You go, you deposit your money and you wait for the interest to grow. And she's saying the total opposite. Be creative. How do you want to invest? Learn about Bitcoin, Ethereum, right? Exactly. While you're talking, I'm like, that's a really good way to describe it. And I think people need to think outside the box and not be so afraid and um, open yourself up uh, to things that perhaps you haven't done before. And I think if you don't even know what you like, um, and, and, and what's important to you, your partner can't even <laughs> subscribe. Right. And that's the thing. And then because so many times when people think about what do I like, you know, the, the default is, oh, you know, what's your favorite position? What's your favorite, you know, lube? What's your favorite vibrator? And that stuff's great. But I think the bigger question that sits underneath all of that stuff is how do you want to feel? What kinds of things help you get there? How can I help you get there? Or what could we do together so that, you know, you want to feel X, I want to feel Y. Maybe, maybe part of the quest is that we decide to do turn taking. So one time it's about what you want. The next time it's about what I want. That could be part of the quest. Or maybe you can come up with something where you both get to have your needs and your, and your preferences and your desires met in the same moment, that can be tricky. That's a bit more of what I would call an advanced practice. It's possible. But it's about talking about from the outset, how do you want sex to make you feel rather than what do you want to do? What do you want to do? 
it's the wrong order. You've got to ask first, how do you want to feel? What's the, why are you here? What do you want? You know? Yeah. Cindy, so I totally get it. And I, I find this, I really do find this fascinating. And now the entrepreneur in me is, is, is like kicks in. And I'm thinking about all of the dating apps out there. And over the years, I've been on a bunch of them. Me too. And <laughs> yeah, and I, I've never seen any of this discussed. It, Have you swiped on me? I haven't swiped on you. I don't. I've think. been off them for a while, but um, had I had I, had I seen you, one hundred percent, I would have gone. <laughs> right. I want to date a sex there. I would have went right. Bring her in. <laughs> so as far as like the mixed libidos and, and matching people, it's amazing that that's not a box to check off in the profile so you could be matched properly. Yeah. And I can tell you why that won't work because it's not about lust. It's about meaning and connection and it's going to be different for different people. So you're not always going to have the same erotic template if you're with different people. Each person you're with is going to bring out different parts of you. So it's often going to be different. So it's not, again, it's not a static thing. It's not just a one and done deal. People want sex to be easy. People want sex to be familiar. They want it to be predictable. They want it to be certain. They want it to be safe because then they can be like, yeah, I'm the man or, oh, he, I'm, you know, I'm so hot. He loves me or whatever it is. Right. It doesn't work like that, which is why people get bored, which is why people get resentful, which is why people get pissed off with each other. We have to stop trying to make sex about certainty. It doesn't work. But you're confusing me because we've all seen the relationships where one of the spouses, you know, wants sex five nights a week, six nights a week. The other spouse can say, you know what, honey, that's not happening twice a week, you know, and they're almost scheduling it, which is just so not sexy, so not anything. But those libidos are are clearly mismatched, right? So before you end up in a situation like that, when you know that, you know, you have a a strong libido, well, ideally, wouldn't it be a better fit for you to be matched with somebody who also shares that strong libido? Uh, Not, well, uh, yes and no, because it depends on, you know, so the person who wants sex five nights a week, what kind of sex do they want and for what purpose? Because if they're offering sex that to me just sounds boring as hell, then I'm going to say like, no. But if somebody wants to offer me something I like five nights a week, I might be like, oh, that sounds good. We have to consider, is the sex you're having sex worth wanting? If you don't want it, we have to, we have to look at the quality of it. You know, you could, I mean, I'm sure there are versions of, I think like, okay, Cupid sort of has a little bit of that. You know, what are you looking for? I think out of all the apps, okay, Cupid probably goes into the most depth, but again, there are so many moving parts to that, that if it's just, you just want to hit it and quit it and get it done. I think the easiest way to do that is to pay for it, honestly. And I'm not being facetious. I'm deadly serious. I think that that is a very reasonable option for people who just want that. But most people don't want just that. Most people want to have meaning, purpose, connection. And so even for the folks who are paying for it, they will find one or two service providers that they like and they will keep going back to them because they want to build something. They don't want to marry them necessarily, but there's a certain frisson that starts happening even in a paid transaction that is about more than just getting your dick wet. And that's what people are paying for. I bet you how many people on those dating sites 
really understand meaningful intimacy and sex? I'd say, what do you think? Five, ten percent really understand what it is. Don't we all? No, no, on dating sites. No, no, of course. Everyone's looking for something different, but I'm I'm not even talking about the relationship side. I'm just talking about what Cindy's expertise is, right? Meaningful sex, something that actually matters to you, not necessarily the other person. So while all these people are looking for dates and love and sex, I I think what she's saying is most people don't even understand their their wants, their needs, and that's why this book is so important. They're not looking for that, Becky. And again, why are they there? So tell Cindy, tell us where everyone can get the book, uh, where they can find you. And I have to tell you, I think you converted me. I'm gonna I'm gonna read this book from cover to cover. I think it's crucial for us, for for the people around and and generations to come. Nice. So my website, cindydarnell.com, C-Y-N-D-I-D-A-R-N-E-L-L.com. All the stuff is there. There are links there. You can buy the book on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and all the places where you buy books. Um, I also work with individuals and couples and follicles, people in non-monogamous relationships, um, helping them navigate these questions of intimacy, connection, pleasure, and the curly questions that, you know, I think a lot of traditional therapists tend to shy away from and get into the nitty gritty of, of, you know, really being real about what we want to get out of sex, um, how to talk about it, how to listen to each other better, how to, how to, how to, you know, have sex that's worth having, you know, whatever it is, whether it's pretty vanilla, whether it's wild, whether it involves, you know, substances and shamans or whatever. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fine with all of it. I, I haven't yet to be freaked out. So, um, but I really do enjoy helping people help themselves to have the best sex they possibly can. My website is really the the main place that I do all of that from. Um, they can apply to work with me through there. I'm on social media, but I don't answer DMs or anything. If, they, if people are serious about working with me, go to my website. I truly think, I really think the tip of the day is don't look at sex like a bank account. Don't just deposit it uh, and wait for it to grow passively. Actively work on your euphoric intimacy and, and your sex life and read the book. So, Cindy, this was a pleasure. Everybody, remember, this is the Naked Encore download subscribe like send us messages we can introduce you to cindy i think she's great brian has a lot more questions so we're going to wrap this up so they can talk offline (laughs) all right (laughs) cindy i'll reach out to you personally thank you i appreciate your time the guidance thank you so much 100 i'm buying that book today